Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Ryan Rupka, driver of the number 14 Reynolds Racing Chassis Late Model. You're listening to Thursday Night Thunder on Speedway Digest Radio Network. Hello and welcome to the July 13th episode of Thursday Night Thunder, the most hardcore motorsports program on the internet, episode 114 of the series. I'm your host, Adam Jason Sinclair, and on tonight's program, Michael Nolly and myself will review this past weekend of racing and chat about what other rather exciting news of the world of modern motorsports pops into the conversation. We're also celebrating our third year on the air tonight, so... Congratulations to us. We'd like to thank any, any of all of you who have followed us since the very beginning. We hope we have improved a little bit in the past few years. And we've had a lot of awesome guests on the program. So that's a great thing. And we're happy that you've joined us from now and into the future. Tonight, we've got a great lineup, as we'll be getting racing insight from two awesome up-and-coming drivers. We were scheduled to have a third driver on the program this evening, but unfortunately, he had to reschedule, so we look forward to talking to him again in the future. He's actually been on the program once before, so we'll go with a little bit more insight into his career later in the in the year. We're going to open up the, the program, as we normally do, with a little bit of racing discussion over the past week. Uh, what was your favorite racing thing that happened over this past weekend. Did you have a chance to sit down and see any of the any of the on air coverage or how was the racing up in your neck of the woods over there? Um I got a chance to watch a little bit of the NASCAR race this past weekend. Um Yeah, but I don't think there was really a ton of racing going on over here, but I discovered Mav TV. That's pretty cool. I didn't even know that that was a thing, but they actually have a lot of, like, like, sprint boat races, and I saw some late model stuff, and, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. I stayed up the other night watching that till about 2 in the morning, but, yeah, (laughs) what about you? Yeah, I actually, I've watched Mav TV pretty much since it got started. It's kind of an interesting thing. I didn't have it for a couple of years there, but it's uh, it's pretty cool. Not all of their stuff is the most timely in the universe, but it's uh, it's pretty neat. All the stuff that got on there, they had the the sprint car race on from from right before the Indy 500 on the other day with the uh, with Tony Stewart and and Ken Schrader. That was pretty neat. Yeah, well, I haven't, like, you know, since, like, NASCAR and everything switched channels with, mm-hmm. I mean, whatever they're doing now, I've kind of had a hard time finding, like, a good racing channel that I can actually sit down and watch racing for a couple hours. So it was kind of nice to discover Mab TV, but I guess it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know they've, uh, I think they've been on out for, like, five, at least five years. Uh, it might be a little bit longer than that, but at least five years is when they actually started really hyping it. So I got a uh, picked up a Mav TV hat and a and a little key fob thing at the at the NASCAR race in Homestead about five years ago from them. That's about the first the first time I actually saw that they were they were going up. So, but. The NASCAR race was pretty good. I didn't. I didn't actually see the whole thing. I actually paid more attention this weekend to the sports car racing as well as the uh, as well as the other the IndyCar race. Uh, 
Although I was only sort of half watching those this weekend because it's just it's just too hot here, and, and on the weekends they sort of collapse and, and don't really do anything. <laughs> so, but it was it was good to have it on. It's a the sports car thing was interesting in that the uh, the Cadillacs won again. It wasn't the the Wayne Taylor Racing Team, but was another one of the Cadillac sports cars. So that was a good thing that they that the Cadillacs are able to win in that series, and uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be Wayne Taylor Racing who takes the glory all the time. Um, they also had a little bit of rumor going on. They were considering splitting the uh, the P2 class off from the Daytona prototypes into a separate class. I don't think they're going to do that. I know that one of the other programs on the on the channel here, I think it's More Sports Apex with Glenn Block, they discussed that a little bit the other day. Um, I don't think there's actually much truth to that rumor, but we shall see. Um, and there's also a few other things. Interesting thing happened today where uh, where the the head of competition for NASCAR there, Mike Helton, president of NASCAR, was replaced late this afternoon. Um, I don't have the total details about that yet. I know that some of the other uh, NASCAR-related Internet sites, I think NASCAR Zone did a little bit of something about it, as well as Racing Assimilation, which was talking about the uh, the fact that they thought that, that Helton had just been replaced entirely but I think that Helton has actually just moved up in the series. He's now sort of the vice president, and it's it's changed a little bit. I don't know, maybe sort of a partial retirement thing for him. But that was kind of an interesting deal that happened later this afternoon as well. So that'll be that'll be something that's a developing story, I suppose. We'll see how that goes. We'll even ask our, one of our guests a little bit about that, probably Brian Repko, the second half of the show. Our first guest this evening is Dylan Lupton. Lupton began racing in 2010 in the Langer's Juice S2 Sportsman Series. She was a champion for, with 14 races, and those were all at the Irwindale Event Center, then known as Toyota Speedway. Lupton managed to win three races and became champion with High Point Racing, just two points in front of teammate Roman Lagudi in 2011. He got two partial rides in the K&N Pro Series West. He drove for one, one race for team owner Greg Rail and two races for team owner Bill McNally, including races at All-American Speedway and the new Phoenix International Raceway. His best race of the season was the 12th place at Montana Raceway Park. In 2013 and 2014, he had a full ride at Sunrise Ford Racing in the K&N Pro Series West Series and became runner-up in the 2014 17 points behind two-time champion Greg Persley. He won twice in 2013 in Evergreen Speedway and 2014 at Kern County Raceway Park. In 2015, he drove one Canaan Pro Series East race at Watkins Glen, managing to take fourth place to gain two road course experience because he would drive for Athenian Motorsports in the nationwide Children's Hospital 200 at the Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course later in the year. On February 16, 2015, it was announced that Lupton had been signed by Athenia Motorsports to compete part-time in the 2015 NASCAR Xfinity Series. Lupton was hired to run a minimum of seven races in the number 25 starting at Phoenix International Raceway with continued sponsorship from Zach. After finishing twice in the top 20, after driving five races for Athenia Motorsports, he finished ninth at Mid-Ohio Lupton started another road course race at Road America, finishing 13th. 
Lupton started the 2016 Xfinity season without a ride. However, on March 1st, 2016, it was announced that Lumpton had signed a deal to drive the number 93 Chevy for SS Racing for three races, starting in Las Vegas. However, the team withdrew for the Vegas race, delaying his debut until the following race at Phoenix, and was replaced by Josh Rooney at Las Vegas. In 2016, Lupton joined BK Racing to attempt his Sprint Cup Series debut at the Toyota Slash Save Mart 350. Lupton would finish 35th in the race. He returned to the team at Richmond's Federated Auto Parts 400 in the number 83. He would be involved in a big wreck with his car ending up on top of Ryan Newman's car, but he would stay in the race and finish 25th. Lupton made his truck Series debut at Talladega, driving the number 2 Chevrolet for Young's Motorsports. He finished 12th. Lupton then made his second truck series race at Phoenix, substituting John West Townley, earning a 19th place finish. A week later, Lupton joined Go Fast Racing in a one-race deal at Homestead, finishing 39th. In about two minutes, we're going to be welcoming Dylan Lupton to the program. So let's go ahead and find a nice short song we can play here, at least momentarily. Actually, it looks like he's on the on the tri- on the line now. So we're pleased to welcome Dylan Lupton into the Thunderdome. Hello, how you doing? How's it going? Doing Pretty good. good. Thanks good. for having me on the show. Thank you very much for coming. First off, can you tell us a little bit more about the NASCAR Next program? So the NASCAR Next program, I was a part of that program from 2014 to 16. It highlights and showcases up-and-coming drivers, usually drivers coming from the regional series, uh, either the Canaan East or West, uh, the Canadian Series, Euro Series, uh, Mexican Series. Um, and it kind of just gets the up-and-coming drivers familiar with the NASCAR media, um, gets their name out there, and gives them access to fans who follow the National Series. That way they can... Um, kind of learn more about these drivers before they, they make their big splash into the national scene. What special preparations are you making as you ready for your second NASCAR expanded start at New Hampshire this weekend? Um, well, I've been watching a lot of a lot of films throughout the week. Um, I'll be leaning on my teammate Dakota. Um, and then tomorrow we got two hour-long practices. So we'll go in there and just work on uh, practice or race trim for a while, and then switch over to qualifying trim. Probably maybe do a queue run towards the end of the day. But I'm really just going out there, and uh, lot. I know last time I was out here, um, I struggled getting into turn three, which a lot of people do, just real free on entry, um, and it's hard to uh, add wheel to any more wheel to the car without uh, over rotating. And then as the tires wear down, just getting the car to rotate in the center and being able to apply throttle. So uh, just really looking to make sure that our car is good on uh, the long runs. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, tomorrow. Can you tell us a little bit more about your sponsor, NetUp? Yeah, so NetUp Industries is an almond company based out of Escalon, California. They produce flavored chopped almonds, 
Uh, they have 10 different flavors. And, man, they're pretty tasty. I tell you what, I eat them all the time uh, at the racetrack, uh, after the, I get done with the gym, at home, at work. Um, and they also produce uh, and make uh, flavored almond butter. So that comes in a few different flavors, and uh, it's quite tasty. We understand you hold weekly, weekly contests via social media. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, through our Twitter and Facebook pages, we hold uh, Giveaway Wednesday. Every Wednesday at noon Eastern, uh, we upload a social media post, and fans can uh, either follow and like on Facebook or retweet and follow on Twitter, and they'll be entered in to win all kinds of different prizes. For example, this week, uh, it was the Don't Lupton Nut Up Racing T-shirt, uh, a right a race hat, nut up product, a sticker, and also a signed hero card. Uh, we, you know, we give away merchandise. Sometimes we even give away um, hot passes or Xfinity race tickets. So it kind of, we we change it up each week, but it's it's something fun to do and get the fans engaged every single weekend and uh, build my fan base up. That's awesome. Being from California, are you a bigger fan of Harvick or Johnson? Oof. I'd have to say I'd have to say Jimmy Johnson. Um, you know he's done so much in this sport, and not saying Harvick has Harvick's a champion in our sport, but uh, you know it's hard to beat a seven-time champion. And uh, you know I'm not I you know I've been to Bakersfield quite a bit um, and spent some time out there. And it's probably not one of my funnest place, uh, favorite places. I I like down in Southern California a little better. So I'm rooting for uh, Johnson right there. <laughs> well, I'd like to thank you very much. And we'd now throw you out to my co-host, Michael Malali, who has a couple of questions for you as well. All righty. So first of all, can you tell us some of the major differences that you have found um, driving race trucks and race cars? Yeah, so the trucks are really aero-dependent. They're actually a lot easier to drive when you're by yourself. Uh, You know, at a lot of these, uh, pretty much all the mile and a half, and, uh, you know, quite a few tracks on the NASCAR circuit, you're able to hold it just wide open. Um, So it's just really aero-dependent. They have so much downforce and side force on these trucks. However, once they get around another truck, it's really easy to take the air off of somebody else. Um, all you got to do is uh, be next to them and say you're on the outside of somebody, you're able to keep the air over their, their rear spoiler, and the inside car loses all all uh, downforce, um, so you get extremely loose. Um, the Xfinity cars and Cup cars uh, aren't as aerodependent. You know, we're able to run next to each other a little bit easier. Um, It's still a struggle, as you saw last week. Breck Kozlowski got loose underneath. um, Oh, shoot, I forget who he was underneath. But he got loose under somebody, and, uh, you know, that ended their day and Jimmy Johnson's day. Uh, However, it's a little bit more manageable than uh, racing side-by-side in a truck. Um, And then also the, the Xfinity cars are, you know, a little bit more of a handful to drive um, when you're by yourself. You know, these tracks are slipping and sliding with this new aero package it, um, this year. It lost a lot of front uh, grip, I found. Uh, following some people, uh, when you're right behind somebody, it's harder to, 
harder to get the front tires working uh, just because you just want to push up the hill. So you have had the opportunity to drive both. What is your favorite? Uh, I like the Xfinity cars. They're a lot of fun to drive. Uh, they have good power. Um, I think, um, you know, pretty much all the tracks we go to, you know, towards the end of the stages, we're slipping and sliding around. Um, so they're they're definitely fun to drive. Um, they aren't, like I said, out of control when you're underneath somebody, just like a truck is sometimes. Um, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Xfinity cars. However, I would love to get back in a truck and give another go. I've only had two opportunities in the trucks. And what sparked your racing obsession? Like, what made you get so heavily involved in the sport? Yeah, so my dad, he raced dirt bikes growing up. So when I was younger, I got a dirt bike for Christmas and... Um, that kind of sparked my interest in racing. Uh, I used to always go to you know, dirt bike races. I'd go to the drag races up at Sonoma. Um, I, we used to have season passes to or uh, season tickets to Fontana, the Auto Club Speedway, for NASCAR races. So I was kind of always around racing. Um, I didn't really get into racing myself until I was a little bit older when I got in a go-kart when I was about 13 years old. And I remember the first time I got in a race car, I was about 16 years old, and I actually crashed my very first time out, and I told my dad, I'm like, I don't want to do this. This isn't something for me. And he's like, no, no, no. Come on, let's just let's just give it another whirl. And, uh, you know, thankfully I did because here I am now. And um, it's, it seems like once you start racing, it's very, very hard to stop. I know I never want to stop it. You know, I beat my head against the desk throughout the week, working my butt off trying to, uh, you know, keep racing season after season after season, but it's so worth it. So we've had discussion on the show a couple times about what NASCAR could maybe do to get the fans more involved, and it sounds like you're kind of working on it, but what do you think NASCAR or racing in general could do to maybe get the fans a little more involved? You know, I think giving them access, um, closer access to the race cars is a great idea. Um, Richmond, well, it's now Richmond Raceway instead of Richmond International Raceway. They just proposed a new um, new construction on their track, and I think it will be done in 2018. However, they're going to make it where the fans are able to get right up next to the garage stalls uh, so that they can give you know a close view of what goes into these race cars and all the hard work that goes into them during practice. Um, you know it's, it's it's tough because you can't have all these fans in the garages because we're going through there at you know, 30, 40 miles an hour sometimes, and you know it's just too much of a liability. However, I like what Las Vegas did. Las Vegas Motor Speedway has that catwalk up on top where you can look down into each uh, garage stall where the guys are working on the cars, and there's also the glass windows that give fans uh, good photo opportunities uh, with their favorite drivers through the glass. And it looks like Richmond is kind of taking a similar approach to it, and I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, 
What's your ultimate racing goal? Uh, ultimate racing goal would be racing on Sundays every week. Um, but really, if I could just make a career out of racing and I could you know, make a living and support a, a family down the road um, by racing, that that's the ultimate goal. Um, I'd love to be racing on Sundays. However, if it's Xfinity, if it's truck, that's fine with me. I just, I just want to keep racing. Well, we wish you lots of luck this weekend, and thank you very much for coming on the show. And hopefully, we can talk to you a little bit later in the season and see how the how the year's going for you. Thank you. I appreciate uh, you guys having me back on the show. Thank you. Have a nice evening. Once again, that was Dylan Lupton, and we wish him lots of luck this weekend. It should be a, a great race there in New Hampshire, and hopefully it's a a great year for him in the car. I know he's got a, an awesome sponsor, and he seems like he has a really good head on his shoulders, and he's doing what he can to help bring people more into the sport. So that's a pretty good thing. Did you know that Formula One helmets are among the toughest things in the world? Some of the tests they have to pass to be, to be deemed legal to race in are being subjected to 800 degrees Celsius flame for 45 seconds without the heat inside of the helmet exceeding 7 degrees Celsius. And a visor that has projectiles fired out at around 300 miles per hour. If any of these make dents deeper than 2.5 millimeters, the helmet fails inspection. In order to exceed 300 miles per hour in 4.5 seconds, dragsters must accelerate an average of over 4 Gs in order to reach 200 miles per hour well before half-track the launch acceleration approaches 80. Top fuel engines turn approximately 540 revolutions from white to white. Nürburgring Nordschleife, or the Green Hell, is a legendary racetrack that earned its nickname because of a difficulty to drive at the 20.8-kilometer circuit with more than 150 turns. The number of turns, the various surfaces, and unpredictable weather conditions make this track even tougher. Unfortunately, many drivers didn't survive their Nürburgring adventures. And lastly, sprint cars are a form of speedway racing that must be seen to be appreciated. Imagine 2,850 horsepower V8-powered open-wheel race cars sliding sideways on dirt only inches apart at over 100 miles per hour. The massive wings produce huge amounts of downforce, which allows the car to take corners at unbelievable speeds. Let's go ahead and listen to a selection from Ron Pastana and the pit crew for a moment while we're waiting for our next guest.
Our final guest this evening is Ryan Repko. Repko became interested in racing from watching the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series on television with his grandfather. At age eight, he went indoor karting. That led to lessons in driving a kart, which led to running their karting racing series, which led to mean people that race quarter midgets, which led to racing quarter midgets, which led to late models. He considers his first race to be his first quarter midget race when he was nine years old. During his first year of quarter midgets, they spent every night, every weekend at the track. It didn't matter how hot or how cold it was. If they weren't racing, they were practicing. He'd spend all day running laps. All the hard work at the beginning paid off later. He retired from Corps of Interest in 2014 with 115 wins and 20 championships between all the local, Southeast Regional, and USAC National races for the five years he raced in that series. Ryan began racing limited late models towards the end of 2014 at the age of 14, so it seemed appropriate to mark his start by racing the number 14. 2015 marked his first year racing late models primarily at Motor Mile, South Boston, and Hickory Speedways, and the NASCAR Wayland All-American Series. That year posted his first limited late model win and was awarded Motor Mile Speedway Rookie of the Year for limited late models. In 2016, he moved up to late models, racing at Motor Mile Speedway, South Boston, Hickory, and Caraway Speedways. In his 21 starts, he posted 18 top 10s, 11 top 5 finishes. Again, he was awarded Motor Mile Speedway's Late Model Rookie of the Year and the UNOH Youth Achievement Award. 2016 was also his first appearance at the Martinsville Valley Star 300, where he qualified third overall and finished ninth in the feature race. 2017 will see Ryan in late models in the championship auto racing BARS tour as well as at other tracks. Fans are to begin testing and racing super late models later in the 2017 season. Ryan made his ARCA debut, I think it was two weeks ago now, and he's planning on racing again tomorrow night. And we'd now like to welcome him to the program this evening. How are you doing this evening? Pretty good. Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for coming on again. First off, how was your ARCA debut? Uh, it went pretty good. Um, it was definitely a learning experience for sure. Um, late Mile Stocks prepared me for it um, for the most part, but, you know, there's... There's nothing that can match that 740 horsepower and the heavier car. And um, I had a great group of guys behind me, um, Mason Mitchell Motorsports. Um, between Mason and Kevin, they were both um, very knowledgeable and helped me a lot to learn and adapt quickly. And that was um, that was something we had to do because we only had one test day before the um, the race. So, And there was no test day before the Madison Arca race. So I was having to show up and learn the track the morning of the race. So that was something big, but they did it. They did a great job overall, and it was um, it was great to be a part of that group. Do you let you wear the Superman shirt underneath your race suit? I didn't do that, but that is a tradition um, Mason has. Yeah. <laughs> How many events are you playing on driving this year? Um, we'd like to get somewhere around twenty before the season's over. With we've only run seven so far, or no, we run. We've run eight races, not counting the ARCA race. And then um, I, I think I've got six or seven of those eight races are top fives, something like that. Um, so we've had, we've had a good year. Um, really, right now we're just trying to get the first one of the year and get that out of the way because the first one's always the hardest. And we've had a, we've had a couple this year that we've should have won, and they've um, kind of slipped out of our grasp. But um, we're going to try to work on that tomorrow night at Anderson Speedway. 
How were you able to balance your school and your racing career? Well, that's actually difficult because we have um, the way it works in Lincoln County, where I live in North Carolina. Um, we only get four days per semester that we're allowed to miss. And I mean, if you're trying to test the day before a race, you, you typically want to miss a whole day of school because you can't you can't learn much without the whole day. So what we do is um, we we try to pick out during the school year tracks that I'm experienced with, tracks that I have knowledge that I've been there and I understand how to drive. So that way we don't have to test the day before. We can just show up the day of the race and we um, we have it together and we already know what's going on and we have setups for the place. Um, Forrest, he does a great job of putting, um, Forrest and Greg Peterson, they do a great job of putting together setups for tracks and getting everything together. So um, that's not usually an issue. It's more just me going to a track that I've never been to, which um, we try to minimize that. That way we don't have to miss days. So we'll try to, we'll even try to go out and test in the middle of the summer t- to go ahead and adapt to a track. That way, if we're planning on running it during the school year. So we, um, I, I mean, like I, I tested at Anderson Speedway. First time I touched the track was actually over Christmas break last year because um, mm. we just we didn't want to miss any school days. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit more about your uh, your race tomorrow night at Anderson. What do you have planned? What's the uh, the schedule for tomorrow? Um, I'm not sure around when everything starts. I know the first practice for the first official practice. Morning practice happens uh, sometime in the morning. I think we're going to get there around ten or something like that. But mm-hmm. um, the first practice I know is at five. And don't quote me on this, but I think racing starts at seven. But it's going to be twin forties and. It should be a good race. Um, tire management won't be very big like it was at the Cars race, since the Cars race was 125 laps. This will be more just um, going right off the bat because in 40 laps there's not much time to um, pick up spots. So qualifying is going to be big. We're going to have to qualify up front, and we're going to have to try to stay up there and take the lead and control the pace of the race. That will be pretty big. I know you've had a a pretty good good uh, career climbing up the ladder in the world of motorsports. What's your next step in your racing career? Um, it's it's probably – the next step is probably ARCA. We feel like that's a great place to learn to prepare you for trucks because it, you're on a radial tire like a truck. You have 740 horsepower, so you've got all this power underneath you, and you're able to run these bigger tracks like Kentucky and Kansas and these mile-and-a-halfs as well as Daytona, and even get super speedway experience, and even road courses. So it's just, um, we feel like that kind of provides a good overall package, and it um, and, and it gets you used to the bigger cars, and it's just a great place to be able to um, get used to bigger cars and a lot of power and even make a name for yourself because ARCA does a great job of promoting the series with it being on TV and um that that helps with getting sponsors as well because if you can show them that you're you're going to be on live television that that definitely helps with that even. Well, I'd like to thank you very much, and I now will throw you out to my co-host Michael Mullally, who has a couple of questions for you as well. All right. So, what has been your greatest racing moment so far? Um, that would probably be my first big car win at late um in a late limited late model over at Motor Mile Speedway in 2015. I um 
it, it was a big, it was a crazy year for me because it was my first full-time year in a big car. So, um, at the very beginning, it, was, it started off pretty rough because the first race of the year, we had, we were running, I think we were running like sixth or something, and we ended up getting in a wreck with about 10 to go or something. And um, that was also the same year that um, at Hickory, I ended up breaking my wrist in a wreck. So it was um, it, it was crazy, and it was a lot of learning. And we tra- And we started to kind of travel a lot towards the end of the year, and finally everything just started clicking, and I started getting these top three finishes, and that eventually led to a win. And when I finally got that first win, it was just amazing because I never – after my first race, I remember being so discouraged with finishing ninth, but I just, um, I kept, I stuck to it, and I just, it, it felt great when I finally was able to park that um, number 14 Reynolds Racing chassis in victory lane. So, what kind of role model do you, you like, I don't know how to word that, but who have you most looked up to in the racing world? Um, since I was a little kid, I always looked up to Tony Stewart just because he's outspoken. Um, I feel like he, he gets in every car he runs, and he, he's successful, whether it's a midget or a sprint car or, a, I mean, even a late model. He's one in late model stocks. And uh, it's just I've always wanted to be like that, to be able to hop in anything and just do well. And plus, I like that he speaks his mind. If if some if something's bothering him, he will tell you. And it, I've just I've always looked up to him and and thought that, you know, he was cool because he could hop in just anything and be successful right off the bat. And that's um, I've always worked to try to be that way. So out of all of the series and every car you ran. Which car do you think you have gained the most knowledge from? Well, I have the most experience in late model stocks now as far as starts. So that's, um, I feel like that's probably where I'm most proficient. Um, that That's helped prepare me for ARCA because they're both perimeter style chassis. Um, they're similar in a lot of different ways. They handle fairly similar. The, the real differences there are just that, um, in an ARCA car, you restart in second, and it's easier to spin the tires. In a late-mile stock, where you restart in third, and it's just um, ARCA cars are a lot taller, so they don't turn as well, and they're heavier. But um, in late-mile stocks, you can throw them around more. But um, in the ARCA car, it's easier to spin tires off the corner, too, once you get a lot of laps on the tires. So, um, But overall, they're fairly similar, and it's late-mile stocks and all the starts I have in those, I think I had 24 last year and it, um, it, it's prepared me for the next step, which was that ARCA race at Madison. So my final question for you this evening is what advice would you give to somebody that just wants to race? Well, I would look into what's popular in your area. You know, if you're, um, if you're in North Carolina, you have, you have your options for pretty much anything. But if you live in a more isolated area, you need to look into what, what's popular and what you have in your area. Go to racetracks, ask people what what they did, the successful people at your local track, ask them where how they started, what they did, um, and, and always be open to learn. You know, you can learn anything from anybody, really. I mean, I've had crew guys who haven't, ever driven a car but they've been around it so long that 
they ha- they're full of advice, and you know, and you get in the car and you try what they're saying, and and they're right, even though they've never driven a car. But it's um, just just be just have an open mind, and um, I mean anything's possible. I mean this is a crazy sport; anything can happen, and just um, just be willing to learn and just look for the best possible opportunities. Well, we'd like to thank you very much for coming on the program this evening and wish you all the luck in the world this year, and hopefully we can talk to you again later in the year and see how your season came out. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Thank you very much, and good luck tomorrow. Thank you. Once again, that was Ryan Repko, who's been on the program. I believe this is his third time on the show. So we wish him lots of luck tomorrow. He's had a, uh, a very awesome career going up through the through the ranks of the uh, Stock Car Series. And now his next step is ARCA, and we wish him all the luck in the world tomorrow. Be sure to check out past episodes of Thursday Night Thunder, as well as the other shows on the Speedway Digest Radio Network at speedwaydigestradionetwork.com. You can also check out the show on Facebook by searching for Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder in the search bar. I think I'm probably going to put the orig- a link to the first episode of the program, which took place on July 3rd of 2014. So this is our as I say at the beginning of the show, this is our third year of being on the air. So hopefully we got several more years to go. I also invite you to read all the articles covering all aspects of motorsports at SpeedwayDigest.com. Personally, I haven't put a lot of stuff on there lately, but I will. I have a huge backlog of, uh, of articles to go through. I have to sort through that sometime in the next few days, and I'll put up a few more pieces at SpeedwayDigest.com in the racing news section. In addition, if you're a fan of South Florida, and who isn't, be sure to check out the latest news and information about our slice of paradise at Palm Beach Happening, which can be found by visiting palmbeach.happeningmag.com. Recently, we've done a lot of, uh, lot of great things there. I put out the, uh, actually posted our newsletter on the Speedway Digest Thursday Night Thunder Facebook page, so you can check out the, some of the highlights of the past month of Palm Beach Happening on there. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again next week in the Thunderdome as we discuss the major issues in the world of modern auto racing with guests Justin Fontaine and Chad Finley. Thanks again, and thanks for sticking with us over the past three years. <laughs>